Good evening. And that's one reason, one reason why, why we, we love, love Sunday, Sunday nights, nights and Julian. Julian. It is good to see each of you. If you're a guest, thank you for joining with us. If you would be opening your Bibles to Psalm 119. If you want to borrow a, a Bible that's in the pew there, it'll be around page 545, 544, somewhere around there. We'll be studying out of there in, in just a moment. We've mentioned these this morning, but I'll just quickly say how wonderful it is to see them out the El Salvador group back in Mount Juliet and to hear the good report of the things that took place this past week and the first Sunday evening in April. There'll be a missions report that we look so forward to hearing about the good that's taking place there. It was wonderful to spend some extra time with some of the high schoolers in TAG this past week, tell them about God. What a powerful time that is to just sit down for several hours for three days in a row to study God's holy word. And we looked at especially, especially uh, the teaching, uh, the teaching of, of the church, the church uh, this, uh, this past, past week. week. What, a what a blessing it was to just spend time. We are blessed tremendously with young people this morning. And uh, one of the services this morning, Dennis Buchanan, his prayer said a prayer of thanksgiving for our youth that went the trip to El Salvador and, and those that we intermingled with this week in TAG were such a blessing. We are blessed so richly with just wonderful, wonderful people. And then to be able to go to the airport and spend a little time uh, with the White family as they came in, it was just a rich, rich blessing. It's great to see those sisters love those brothers and see those brothers love those sisters. What a blessing it is to see that family grow. I'd like for you to think about this series in Psalm 119. Of course, we're looking at it especially because the theme this month is living truth. But on the next slide, see where it says, teach me to love the word. I really believe that loving the word of God is something that is learned. Have you learned it? And if not, let me suggest to you that you're missing out on something that once you learn to love the word of God, you will say, why did I not love scriptures earlier? Why did I not get into the word earlier? For example, some of you have been really excited that the SEC tournament has been right here in Nashville over the past several days. Somewhere in your life, someone in your family taught you to love basketball. Now there are others sitting in this room that that SEC tournament's been taking place just down the road and you hadn't even known it or cared because no one in your family taught you to love basketball. And that's neither here nor there except to make the point that there are many things in our life and you could almost argue almost everything in our life that we love, we have been taught to love it. And so I pause with that in mind and I think about Psalm 119. We talked last week about the richness of this chapter and even the uniqueness of this chapter. Why do you think God gave us this long, long chapter? I believe that one of the reasons, I believe that it's one of the great reasons that God gave us this chapter is to teach us to love his word. Some of you probably have taken up the, the offer to morning and night this past seven days to, to read Psalm 119, the second stanza, 9 through verse 16. And uh, there's my copy. I, I wrote it down and I've been trying to read it a few times every day. Uh, the Kellys, I laid theirs down here somewhere. The Kellys show me 
They actually laminated theirs and they said they decided, uh, Mr. VL, Miss Lucy, they said they decided to uh, read it at every meal time and then go ahead and read it at night too. So they've been reading it four times a day. And I saw that's a great idea there to laminate it. And they gave me a copy of that. What are you doing to get into the word of God on a regular basis? I want to beg you, if you've not done this yet, I want to beg you to pick out a portion of Psalm 119 and start reading it once or twice a day. And I really believe if you will, as we studied last week, if you'll meditate upon it and contemplate upon it, the next thing you will find yourself doing is you will delight in it. Every verse with maybe just one or two exceptions speaks of the word of God. Now, it does not use the same phrase to describe the Word of God. Remember last week we showed you a couple of slides where Nelson Study Bible gave a listing of those, and we're not going to define them like we did last week. But just so it would pull us all on the same page, I want to remind you that when we read through Psalm 119, we see that sometimes the Word of God is called law. Sometimes it's called testimonies. Other times way or ways or precepts or statutes or commandments or judgments or rules or word or words or promise or promises. These are just most of the many ways that the Word of God is referred to there in the 22 stanzas. Each stanza is made up of eight verses and it's acrostic and, and the Hebrew alphabet makes up the acrostic. So the first stanza begins with the first letter of the Hebrew alphabet and the second with the second and all the way until we get to 22 stanzas. And every one of us is telling, and every one of the verses is telling us something beautiful, powerful about the Word of God. And if we just start meditating upon it, and what does that mean? What does God want me to contemplate? What does God want me to learn from that? We're going to find ourselves falling in love with the Word of God. I know we're not all wired the same. I know we don't all learn the same. But I can just tell you the times in my life, and I don't say this just because I'm a preacher. I'm looking for something to say to you right now. I say to you because I've experienced this. The times in my life where I've carved out a period of time and said for the next several weeks, I'm going to read Psalm 119. I always love the Word of God much deeper when I finish that period of time than even when I began it. It is a powerful, powerful passage. So tonight, let's go to the second stanza. We're not going to, on Sunday night, study all the way through this for the next 20 weeks, but we are for just maybe this week and next week again. But, but I, want to, I want to invite you into the second stanza tonight. We'll begin reading at verse 17. And... Uh, I meant to go back and highlight the words that deal with the Word of God. Uh, I, honestly, I forgot to do that. And so I'll try to emphasize it. But most of the time it begins with your, your word, your precept. And, and just notice that. And then we'll come back and see what lessons we want to pull out from this text tonight that God teaches us so much. Psalms 119. Think about God telling us why we should appreciate, live, love His Word. Deal bountifully with your servant, that I may live and keep your word. Open my eyes that I may see wondrous things from your law. I'm a stranger in this earth. Do not hide your commandments from me. My soul breaks with longing for your judgments at all times. You rebuke the proud, the cursed, who stray from your commandments. 
Remove from me reproach and contempt, for I have kept your testimonies. Princes also sit and speak against me, but your servant meditates on your statutes. Your testimonies also are my delight and my counselor. I'd like for you to take your eyes back to verse 18, and I'd like for us to spend a few minutes on three different verses tonight in this text. And the first one is verse 18. Notice as he says this, have you noticed as we go into the second and third stanzas, what the psalmist has done has begun to say the Psalms as if he's speaking to God. Some say he literally now has turned this passage into a prayer. This is his prayer to God. However it is, there's no doubt that whether it's a song or if it's poetry or if it's a prayer, he is saying this section of it, addressing it to God. And, and I want you to read verse 18 as if it were a prayer. Notice what he says again. Open my eyes. He's talking to God. And he's going to talk to God about the word. But notice he says, open my eyes. Why? That I may see wondrous things from your law. When we look at the beauty of God's physical creation, it's easy, even if we have a small and a weak faith, to at least admit when we see a beautiful sunrise. Wow. Look at God's power. We go to a, a majestic falls like Niagara Falls or whatever falls that, that comes to your mind and, and you can't help but stand close to that spray of water and listen to that roar and think, wow, God is powerful. Or on a clear night where you see shooting stars, you can't help but think of the power of God. But you know, there's something interesting about loving and seeing the wonders of God's written word. The casual observer never sees them. If our hearts were revealed right now, there might be some in this room that would honestly, if their heart was revealed, say, I've never really noticed anything wonderful in the Word of God. And yet there would be others in this room that can say, every day I spend some time and I see something wonderful in the Word of God. What was his prayer? His prayer was, Lord, open my eyes. I want to see your law. And, and the psalmist that would have been referring in that day and time, especially the Torah. Now, you and I could, could by application, we could just think in a much broader sense, we could think of the entire scripture. But he's literally saying, Lord, open my eyes. I want to be able to see the wonders that, that you have in store for us. Hold your finger here and turn over with me to Ephesians. Paul, in the first chapter of Ephesians, offers a prayer, or he records a prayer, on behalf of the people of Ephesus. And in this prayer, I'd like for you to notice one of the things that he specifically prays. And then as we see that, I just want to pause and ask you to ask yourself, do I pray like this? Let's, let's go into Ephesians 1, 
Notice in verse 15, he brings to light in 15 and 16 the fact that he's going to tell them what he prays for. And so I'll start there. And I'm, I'm sorry, we don't have a slide for this. But it, in, in your pew Bible, it's 1,038 if you want to turn there, 1,038. But notice what he says in 15 and 16 as we begin here. Therefore, also, after I heard of your faith in the Lord Jesus and your love for all the saints, do not cease to give thanks for you making mention of you in my prayers. Paul says, ever since I've heard about how great your faith is, I pray for you all the time is what he's saying. And notice what his prayer is. That the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory, may give to you the spirit of wisdom. How's God going to give us wisdom? And revelation in the knowledge of him. How's God going to reveal knowledge to us? This is his prayer for them. And notice at this point, it's just a comma. This thought's going to continue in 18. The eyes of your understanding be enlightened that you may know what is the hope. How are we going to have hope? Remember this morning, the only way we can know the hope of God is know the promises or the word of God. That the hope of his calling, what are the riches of his glory in the inheritance of the saints? And we'll pause right there. What does Paul want for them? He wants their eyes to see the law or the will of God. He wants their eyes to be enlightened. He wants them to have knowledge about Christ, to have knowledge about glory. He wants them to have knowledge about their inheritance. How are they to gain all that? A big portion or measure in the way that we gain those things is through the word of God. Open my eyes that I may see your wonder. I want to challenge you this week for the next seven days. Would you morning and night before you read scripture, would you first pray, God, please open my eyes. I want to see the wonders of your will. What a beautiful way to approach scripture. Why? I want to read to you one more verse and we'll spend the rest of our time back in Psalm 119. Look over just a few pages in your Bible, back to the left, to 2 Corinthians, the third chapter. Remember, 2 Corinthians, the third chapter has dealt heavily with the idea of the new covenant that is given through Jesus Christ. And so he closes in verse 18 by saying, this is 2 Corinthians 3 in verse 18. He says, but we all with unveiled face beholding as in a mirror the glory of the Lord and being transformed into the same image from glory to glory just as by the Spirit of the Lord. Now that's how this passage is closed about the new covenant. And what is he saying? He's saying we look into it. Lord, open my eyes. I can see your wonders. Why? We look into it so that the wonders can transform us. The idea is we look into it to see the glory, the wonderful, glorious God. And we want to see him so that we can be changed like him. Why do you look in a mirror? There's no reason to look in a mirror unless you're vain. There's no reason to look in a mirror except to make changes. Now, we get it. There are a lot of people that are vain. They look in mirrors just to admire. But that's not a healthy reason to look in a mirror. A healthy reason to look in a mirror. Pretend like it's dress up day. So you're my age and you're going to go back to happy days. I'm going to dress up like Fonzie. Now, 
you, you're over at your closet, you put on some clothes, you're going to walk to the mirror to, to do what? You're going to see if you look like Fonzie. And they'd slick my hair back a little more. Oh, I should have had a white t-shirt on, need a leather jacket. What are you doing? You're looking to see what changes need to be made. Lord, the psalmist says, open my eyes so I can see the wonders, the wonderful ways of your word. Why do we need to see those ways? So that our life can be transformed into what? Isn't this beautiful? Our life can be transformed into those wonderful ways. What happens as you and I start looking more like the will of God? Those wonderful ways begin to describe our life. What a beautiful, beautiful prayer. Let's look at one more. Let's go back, or two more, but let's look at another verse. Go back to Psalm 119. This time, let's drop down to verse 22. Psalm 119, look at verse 22. So we, we want to read this beautiful psalm because we want to see the wonders of God. But also, we need healing. Look in, in verse 22. Remove from me reproach and contempt. Those two words would deal with disgrace and disrespect, respectively disgrace and disrespect. You know, as if someone disgraces you or disrespects you, it hurts, doesn't it? Think about when we do that to God. We talked about last week that the very fact of bringing glory to God is also one in the same of saying, I do not want to sin against God. That's why I'm back, I believe it was in verse 11, he said he wanted to hide the word of God in his heart so that he will not sin against him. And so the idea is, I want to bring glory to God in my life. And if I really mean that, what I'm saying is, I don't want to sin against God. Because sinning against God is disgracing God. It's disrespecting God. And so now when we read this in verse 22, isn't it beautiful that his prayer to God is, remove that. Well, well how are we going to remove that? Well, in part, notice the last half. For I have kept your testimonies. In other words, he's making this this. Bold statement to God? God, the reason I'm so intent on living out your will is because I do not want to disrespect you. I do not want to disgrace you. Well, how's that going to be done? I need to keep his testimonies. What would you do if the doctor told you you were dying? Unless... And he gave you some medication. And he said, if you'll take this twice a day, your life could be extended for many years. If you do not take this, you will not live. How intent would you and I be on taking that medicine? How intent are you and I on living spiritually? If we do not hide the word of God within us, we cannot help but disrespect God. If we do not hide the word of God in us, we will disgrace God. And here the psalmist gets it. And that's why we see a mixture of passages scattered throughout Psalm 119 of how valuable God's word is. And how he stands in awe of it because it is so spiritually life-preserving. In Matthew, the seventh chapter, 
You know, Jesus dealt with the fact of you don't take the holy things and throw it before the dogs. You don't take the pearls and, and cast them before the swine. What was he saying? He was saying, you've got this powerful, life-saving testimony of God's word. Value it. And don't waste it on someone who doesn't value it. But I'm not so much concerned in this lesson right now about that part as you and I. If the word of God's brought to us, is it like taking the holy thing to the dog? If the word of God is brought to us, is it we pop it on the shelf? It's like you might as well cast pearls before the swine. I don't have time to read that. I don't treasure that enough to read it. My spiritual health isn't worth that much to me. The woman that had an issue of blood for 12 years spent everything she had, the scripture said, trying to be made whole. What would you pay? To what extent would you go if you knew that what you were going to do would extend your life? Friends, God is our only sustainer, creator, and provider. He communicates to us through His will. Don't we recognize how foolish we would be to not value the only one who can sustain us? Listen to Him morning and night. Meditate, contemplate, delight upon it. Let's look at one more. Skip down, if you will, now to verse 24. Let's read this together. Still Psalm 119. So we talked about the wonders. We want to see the wonders. We want to see the healing. The Lord can heal us if we'll listen to him. But then let's look at the guidance in 24. Your testimonies also are my what? Delight. See how he continually comes back around to that topic? Your testimonies are my delight. And why? And my counselors. How blessed we are that there are individuals that train professionally to be a counselor. So anything I'm saying over the next few minutes, I want you to understand that I am not discrediting how valuable that is to us as individuals, church family, communities. That's wonderful. But do you realize that the best of counselors are going to go back and their counsel is going to be based upon truth? In other words, the best of counselors are going to go back to principles that came from God. Now notice again the last part of that. Your testimonies are my delight and what? My counselors. Have you had those people in your life that whenever something's happened, it doesn't have to be a life crisis, but just when something's happened in your life, you like to give them a call? You know, as, as a minister, I almost said to you as a young minister, I know y'all would have laughed at that. So I'll just say as a minister, but I was thinking about in my younger years when I was starting out up until yesterday, you know, when, when, things, when things come about in ministry, that I don't know exactly what to do that, that's just best or that could, could be effective. I don't know how many hundreds of times through the years I've just picked up the phone and I called Tracy's father who's been in ministry for decades. And I can't tell you the number of times that I've talked with him and then gone into a Bible class. I've talked with him and gone into a sermon. I've talked with him 
and gone into an elders meeting. I've talked with him and gone into a counseling session. And you know what I say after the end of those things almost every time? Every time I'm like, wow, Leon is smart. He's good. I can't tell you a time in my life that he has given me some kind of counsel and I thought, after I tried it, well, that didn't work. But just pretend with me for a moment. If it didn't work, how many times would I lean upon him? If it didn't work and I'd lean on him again and it didn't work again, I'd lean on him. It wouldn't take long for us to say, I'm not going to call him. But yet when we find those counselors that we say, wow, what they suggest and what they offer is so wise. It's so godly. It's so good. And you know what we find ourselves doing? Hey, I hate to bother you again. You have five minutes. I'd like to run something by you. I need your counsel. How blessed we are. And I think that's a part of what God means when he says older teach the younger and a part of what he means when he says iron sharpens iron. And so I'm not discrediting the fact that we need each other, but here's what I'm, I'm trying to do to help you see the beauty of God's word. Help all of us here see the beauty of God's word. Do you realize that ultimately if all of us knew the word of God, and I don't think a human being could do this, especially at a younger age, but if we had the capability of knowing everything in the word of God, do you realize we'd never need a counselor? If we had the ability to say, I know everything that God has given a truth, we would be able to reason through things. We would be able to piece it all together. But we're imperfect people. And we find ourselves regularly in situations that we've never been in that exact situation. And so you know what I hope that each of us can find? I hope each of us can find counselors that know God's word that's already been in that situation. They can say, let me tell you what I've learned from the word of God that applies to the situation you're in right now. And that is the most healthy or sound counsel we could ever have. The Word of God is the strongest, best counselor that you'll ever have. I love the way Bud Lambert bases his counsel to us as a church family based upon what is the will of God. What can you do right now to take a step closer to God? Ultimately, that answer is found in the Word of God. As we think about what we've learned today, I see that we learn the Word of God and we keep it in heart as a part of what's in this paragraph. But second, that this paragraph is all about encouraging us to pray for God's word to direct and guard our life. And so over the next seven days, maybe it's this paragraph in, in Psalm 119, maybe it's a different paragraph every day, but could I invite you to dedicate morning and night to read at least one paragraph out of Psalm 119 and have in mind that, that goal that says, I want to see what God would want me to learn about his wonders of his word today. But then will you also, before or after you read, will you pray? Will you pray as we read tonight, God, open my eyes. I want your blessings to see what you would have me to see. Tonight, 
If you and I pulled out a piece of paper and we made a list of hundred things that we're thankful for or a thousand ways God has blessed us, none of us would have a problem doing that. God has been so good to us. But as we make that list, we recognize how blessed we are to have our own copy of the Holy Word of God. And that any moment of any day we want, we can take one of the most treasured items in this whole world and we can see the wonders of God. Let's treasure it. Let's love it. Because it is the Word of our Father. Can we help you tonight in any way? Can we help you draw near to God? Are you ready to be immersed into Christ? Are you ready to be restored? Or are you at the point where you say, you know, I don't know enough to know what to do. I just know I want to learn more about the Word of God. Listen, we sat down with individuals every week to study the Word of God. We would love, we would be honored to have the opportunity to sit down with you and say, let's just study. What a blessing. There, could there be any greater use of our time than to study God's holy Word? If we can help you in any way, come as we stand, as we sing.